0: Hi, this is Natalie Huntley. I'm a kindergarten through fifth grade STEM specialist at Weaver Elementary in Maplewood, Minnesota, located just northeast of the Twin Cities. This is my creative analysis of our book study. The book we studied was The Innovator's Mindset by George curls It talked about empowered learning, unleashing talent, and leading a culture of creativity. The first part of this podcast will be my overall summary of the book. To start the book began by defining innovation as a way of thinking. Often people think of it as the same as technology. And although technology can help with being innovative, they are not the same. As educators, we need to be innovators in order to create a learning environment where all our students can be successful. Kuros highlights that in the first few chapters. He also speaks on the fact that innovation is not transformation. Often we think of innovation as these huge big systematic changes, but actually small changes can be innovative. Innovation could even be a small change in thinking. Many confuse innovation with large changes, but that is indeed transformation. In the beginning of the book, he also highlights the importance of asking questions. Simple questions like who am I teaching? What does this student need? allows teachers to be more innovative in their teaching and also allows you to create a learning environment that your students genuinely enjoy. A great question to ask yourself to help with this reflection is, is this a place where I would like to learn? There are trends happening in our world largely due to the pandemic that are forcing educators to have this innovator's mindset. That being said, many have also learned new skills and found new resources that they're going to continue to learn in their room. So this is a tie that was to the first part of the book. In the middle of the book, curl starts talking about relationships and the huge impact they have on innovation. He highlights that when you're entrusted to make decisions, you feel more empowered to be innovative have that comfort level that allows you to take the risks and make those changes in your mindset or in your classroom. You need to also experience life from the user's perspective. Curls highlights the importance to take time to reflect on your students experience. It's also important not to be afraid to disrupt your routine. You need to be present and be a learner first. Cross then goes on to talk about how people must be fully engaged before they are able to feel empowered. He input a quote from Bill Ferreira, I hope I'm saying that right, that says, to empower a student means giving kids the knowledge and skills to pursue their passions, interests, and future. This quote was something I really took with me. He then says, it's important to create a shared vision, mission, because people who create it are most likely to embrace it. When you create it together, you have more buy-in. There are two graphics that Coral shared in the middle of the book that I took with me. The first being school versus learning. He states that school is a place that promotes starting by looking for answers. It's about consuming information and finding information on something. You're taught compliance in school and you have a strict schedule. Sometimes school can even be isolating and standardizing, but learning can often be much different. When you're actually learning, you're starting with the question rather than looking for answers. It's all about creativity and exploring your passions and interests. It's about challenging those norms, and learning can happen anytime, all the time. Another thing that George Gross talks about was eight things to look for in today's classroom. These eight are as follows. First, it's voice. Students should learn from others and share their learning. Choice. You should have strength-based learning, giving them a choice to choose what they excel at. Time for reflection and opportunities for innovation. You should have critical thinkers who are asking questions and challenging what you see. Problem solvers and problem finders, giving students tough challenges that let them find innovative solutions. Number seven is you need self-assessment. It's important that students know how to do this using portfolios or some sort of way to assess their own learning. And finally, there should be connective learning. You should be able to connect with others as the teacher to find new ideas and students should also be able to connect with one another. Moving on, he also talks about strength-based relationships. You need to create more opportunities in areas where your students excel. He gave the manager example which is something i also pulled gross highlights that you need to focus on strengths and the manager that did had employees that only had a one percent chance of being actively disengaged we need to build each other up to build something together chapter nine was the chapter that really hit home for me that it was titled powerful learning first technology second Technology invites us to move from engaged to empowered, to try new things and teach others. But it's also important to highlight the difference between being a 21st century school or having 21st century learning, tying it back to the school versus learning graphic I I spoke about earlier. You need to think if you're using technology in an innovative way or in using it as an alternative to just paper and pencil. Is it a cosmetic change or is it a real innovative change? You also need to immerse yourself in the learning process to understand how technology can be innovative for our students it should never be seen as just a tool it should personalize learning not be a standardized way of doing something when talking about technology it's also important to highlight that less should often be more you need to be able to simplify to eliminate the unnecessary so the necessary has a chance to shine through. If you give educators a whole list of different technologies that they may implement, it's often seen as overwhelming and they will tend to avoid. Whereas if you pick out a few and really give them the chance to explore and see how it fits in their space, they will excel. It's also important to know that creation takes time so that time needs to be provided. And finally, you need to create a community to share. Speaking of creating a community to share, there should be an embracing, you should embrace an open culture, which is what Kuros highlights. There should be connectedness with, connectedness with opportunities to grow and share, whether that be a professional learning network, you could even use things like Twitter, you want to make learning go viral. He gave the example of learning going viral on Facebook, but now we also see it on Twitter and even TikTok. Another thing that really stood with me in this section was there's a difference between being a classroom teacher, a school teacher, and a global teacher. And we should strive to be a global teacher. If we have a good idea, it shouldn't stay in the, com- in the confinement of our four walls of our classroom. Not only should we share it out with our school, but also others in the teaching community. It should not be something that's competitive, but rather something that's shared because we're all in this together. And that's something we learned a lot during the pandemic. Chapter 12 talks about creating meaningful learning experiences for educators. Often we have those dreaded staff learning or staff professional developments, and we need to learn to move away from that. While lectures have their place, it can't be the only thing driving professional learning. And professional learning often is seen as a single event, a morning meeting or after school meeting that takes place, you get it over with and check it off. But Curls highlights that it can't be viewed as a single event. You need opportunities to grow on this, apply it, and have staff drive their own learning. That's just a quick summary of our book, The Innovator's Mindset by George Groves. The second part of this podcast is going to be my critiques from my current position and how I envision the future of education. This book was super applicable to my current job as a kindergarten through fifth grade STEM specialist. A lot of what Kuro spoke on throughout the text is things that I focus on in my classroom. In STEM, we focus a lot on hands-on learning and creating innovative experiences for our students. I'm always looking to use technology as a way to expand our learning opportunities and help us dive deeper into our concepts. Technology is embedded into our curriculum, but often members of my team use it as another pencil paper alternative. For example, we moved to Seesaw within the pandemic, and a lot of staff members have changed put their lessons on Seesaw as something we did during distance learning. Unfortunately, for many, this is just an alternative to paper and pencil. It's the same lesson, but online. My goal is to use these new tools that we've learned in class, is what I've seen in this text, and what I learned from my professional learning network. Some of the things that Kuros highlighted in the book were super applicable maybe five or six years ago, but now times are changing. So that would be one critique I have. It's not his fault, but as times grow and change, so do where professional learning networks take place. While there's still many communities on Facebook, I would say it's much more outdated as compared to Twitter or even now the up-and-coming TikTok. TikTok is a place where I have connected with educators and found a lot of cool ideas that are super applicable to my STEM classroom. I found other teachers who are teaching similar content and I've been able to grab ideas from them. So that's been something cool and a connection that I've been able to make. I envision the future of education continuing to move this way. What's nice about TikTok is it's quick snapshot videos, almost in Flipgrid style, which allows you to see the idea as well. You can see how the person has actually implemented it without having to travel through multiple links. kind of like what Twitter requires. That's probably the biggest critique I have of the book, but again, it's not something that is the author's fault or not something that I think he did wrong. It's just how fast technology has been moving and where educators are finding a hub for gathering new information. A lot of the other things I found are still incredibly applicable today. The one that I talked about before was taking technology and doing learning first, technology second, and making it in small chunks. Um, Like I said, a lot of people see technology simply as a tool and that's something that it is not And especially as districts have been making the change back from distance learning and trying to have um, those technology integration plans. I think that's something important to keep um, in front of our brains as we're making these decisions. Technology is not simply a tool. It is also something that can be super powerful in allowing our students to have these innovative, creative learning experiences and also to make it more inclusive for our learners. I guess another critique is maybe that's an avenue that I didn't really pull out from the book. And I don't know that it was um, spoken about a lot, but technology also um, can help our wide range of learners. I think about my STEM classroom and all of the students that walk through my door. We have a very high EL population at our school. And that was something that we found to be a struggle during distance learning, but technology was able to open the door to so many learning opportunities whether it be Flipgrid allowing these students to make videos to respond rather than using paper and pencil. Maybe it was Seesaw allowing them to do audio recordings or draw pictures rather than fill in the blank for answers. Um, so while technology shouldn't just be a tool, it also can open up so many other doors for students. So I also help um, see that change for the future of education. In this section, I'll be responding to the prompt, in what ways were you impacted and shaped as an educator? Again, I'll state that I loved this book and I saw it apply to my space as a STEM teacher in so many different ways. Um, If I had to choose one thing that really shaped or changed my mindset about teaching, it would be the difference between a classroom teacher, a school teacher, and a global teacher. It was such a simple way of phrasing it but it made such a big impact in my brain because often we have these ideas they're great and they work well for our students but then it stops there maybe we write a note in our lesson plans and then we remember it for the next year but we don't share it or maybe we do share it but we only share it with the members of our team i never thought about being a global teacher until reading this book and engaging in the twitter PLN that this course required. This has really shaped the way I was thinking. Like I talked before, I'm on TikTok and I see these ideas, but I never thought that I could share my ideas. After joining the twitter chats and everything and hearing that the opinions I had were valued by other educators and people were taking some of my ideas and using them in their own spaces, it was really empowering and it got me excited about the sharing. I think that impacted me because. I've set a goal for myself to be more of a global educator, or at least a community educator. I'm going to take small steps to share some ideas I have, and also reach out to others. I think sometimes teaching can be isolating. You think that you're having this problem, or you're stuck, and you just can't seem to figure it out, and you're digging and searching, but maybe it's the time to just tweet out and ask a question, and have the answers come to you, rather than dig. That was like a huge impact that I've had in kind of a Eureka moment after reading this text. Again, this also was just a great reminder that we really need to form those relationships. It's something that's been a goal of mine and I spoke about it in an earlier reflection, but relationships are at the center of my um, goals and mindset for this year, especially after coming off of a full year of distance learning. Not only do the students crave the relationships, but also fellow staff members. I've also noticed that coming up with these relationships helps you identify the needs and be a better teacher to the students. I've been able to tweak some of my lessons to make them more innovative and help my students um find lessons that are more engaging for them so that they have the buy-in and it's more suited for them. So that's another thing. Another way that I was impacted is just reminded that relationships truly are important. They're not quote-unquote a waste of time because they're not standards work, they really they really have a, a good payout. Uh, the Innovator's Mindset is a book that I plan to share with not only my STEM team, but I'm going to push myself to be more of a community teacher and um, share it with our district leadership. And uh, I, I want to continue to um, learn from George Kuros. I follow him on Twitter now, which I'm excited about. He has great quotes on the daily. And I'm going to look into more of his work. So I I thank you for introducing me to not only this book but this author and I look forward to continuing to become um, a more innovative educator. Thanks for listening. Bye.